Welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the web's most sustainable podcast and your premier destination for expert insights into the global hydrogen sector. Dive into our informative series as we explore the latest advancements, news, and trends in the realm of sustainable energy. H2 Tech is a leading source of up-to-date, compelling discussions around hydrogen technology. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome in, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of H2 Tech Talk. Today, we are joined by Christoph Kreninger, Global Business Development Manager for Energy Transition at Clarion. How are you doing today, Christoph? Yeah, very great and uh, happy to be here, Tyler, to have the discussion with you. All right, and we're glad to have you. So um, let's get started with the, the first question. We'll go a little softball. Um, so why don't you explain to the audience who exactly Clarion is and what are you all um, doing? What are you known for? Clarion is actually a specialty chemicals company, and uh, as of this year, we have three business units. The first is care chemicals, the second adsorbent and additives, and the third one, um, actually where I'm, may, where I'm working in, is our catalyst business. And uh, to get a bit more in detail to the catalyst business, we are really an independent catalyst supplier, and we typically build on innovation, but also with partnerships, and especially to Ammonia, where we also talk a bit today, our key partners are KBR and Casale. And, uh, and just a note also in terms of the catalyst, we are providing the ammonia syn catalyst since more than 60 years. Okay, well, thank you, Christoph. So how about, uh, to continue this trend, how about you tell us a bit of your background and your role with the company? Yeah, coming to my background, I'm chemist, and uh, I'm now working for Clarion approximately 10 years, and I started uh, mainly focusing in the field of uh, gray ammonium and ammonia plants very actually have supported our customers here. Uh, big customers also to mention like OCI Yara fertilizer producers. And two years ago, I switched then to a business development team group focusing on the energy transition topics, which are mainly then green ammonia, ammonia cracking, also a big topic nowadays. And the last point also green methanol which is a really interesting stuff. I'm very happy to have the possibility to look into this. All right, thank you, Christoph. So um, you mentioned gray ammonia. Would, would, would gray ammonia be, I guess, what you would consider um, a, a traditional ammonia? Yes, gray ammonia is traditional one. is the stuff which you typically uh, make out of coal or respectively uh, natural gas, and then afterwards you have a syn loop, and this is a typical way to produce it. Of course, you have quite a high, let's say, footprint of CO2, because really, uh, let's say, the fossil way is really used in order to make ammonia. So would you say those are the main differences, or can you expand a bit uh, what the main difference would be between uh, a green ammonia and conventional ammonia in terms of production and environmental impact 
Yeah, when you when you go into for gray ammonia, the topic is you typically, as stated, you have natural gas. Um, you have to make here out of this natural gas syngas, and this uh, is a really energy intensive also, let's say, production way. And you have here really a big impact because you need a, these plants are very, very big and you need here quite a lot of natural gas or also coal. Whereas when you now go to the green ammonia, um, the key difference is here that you actually, like also for green methanol, you have first the renewable powers, if it's wind or solar, Afterwards, you go into an electrolysis in order to generate the hydrogen. This is the first pass. Next to this, you have then an air separation unit where you get then the nitrogen. And this you're then bringing in a traditional ammonia loop, which is still based on the Haber-Bosch process. And of course, here, as you use renewable energy, uh, you have here a much, much lower or nearly no CO2 footprint in comparison to gray. Okay, so how does uh, how do you see the role of ammonia in the in the energy transition? And maybe let's start first. Ammonia in generally uh, main role at the moment is for the fertilizer production, where it's supplied worldwide. This is the main driver. But especially for the energy transition, what we see is that a lot of new applications will be also added most likely. Maybe let's have a look into the first one. In this case, a uh, lot of people are looking into marine fuel to use here really ammonia for the ships. Um, key reason is most likely that, of course, if you make combustion of ammonia, you have no carbon in. This is, I would say, the key difference also to methanol, which also plays here a big role. Um, second thing is where the ammonia will be applied. This is most likely in countries like uh, its beginning in Japan, Korea. This is uh, where you add pure ammonia to as a coal, coal firing to uh, coal plants. This means you can substitute a specific part of coal, but then also for the future power plants are also looked into to, to have your turbines running with pure ammonia, which takes a bit of time, but this will also most likely happen. And the third aspect is, which is also at the moment a tremendous thing, you know, that uh, hydrogen is, is needed, will be imported a lot most likely in the future, also Japan, Korea, but in Europe. And uh, there is a need for an energy carrier. And it looks like due to the properties of ammonia, it's really a good one, a good possibility. Um, there are several reasons just to mention too. First, you have a quite high energy density, or quite a lot of hydrogen in ammonia. And a second important point is um, the infrastructure of transporting ammonia is partially already implemented. Just as a number, you already, uh, I think in 2020, uh, already 10 million tons of ammonia were shipped around the globe. This means we see here a lot of interesting applications coming up for, for ammonia. How do you see um, methanol in this uh, as, a, as a carrier um, as opposed to ammonia? What are the pros and cons there that you, that you see? When you have a look at methanol is, is also a great carrier, but in the few of the most people, you have carbon, of course, in. 
And this means you release afterwards when you combust uh, CO2, which then of course has an impact again. Um, this I would say is the tropic of methanol. Beside of this, uh, methanol is even, let's say, easier to transport. And the benefit of methanol in comparison to ammonia, it's definitely easier to handle. But what we see is that both carriers, as I mean, if it's methanol, uh, which will be definitely applied by the shipping companies, but the shipping companies are also looking into ammonia. Like also MAN is uh, looking into that you have really engines you can run with ammonia or respectively with methanol. So I would say these are both great carriers and time will tell to which extent, let's say, um, this carriers or let's say this materials will be applied. Got it. All right. So what do you think are the main challenges to produce low carbon ammonia? As stated before, when you have a look on a gray ammonia plant, quite big, and this stuff is typically running at, uh, let me phrase it like this, at, at a continuously. We have normally always a proper load system. Uh, they try to, to run it at high as possible load. But when you now switch to the green aspect, this means with renewable energy, where we always actually have then, uh, if you look into wind or if you look into solar, you always have in the background some kind of profile. And these profiles are fluctuating. This means you have here fluctuating conditions. And this, I would say, is one key difference also for the green ammonia plants. There, the topic is to overcome then this fluctuating conditions. Um, you have to look into, most likely, you have to install some kind of uh, hydrogen storage. And this is very expensive. Of course, this is then increasing a lot, the capex. And the crucial aspect is then really how can the catalyst, but also especially the equipment, because this is a high pressure equipment which is applied typically in the harbor bot process, um, can be running also with such fluctuating conditions and especially to which extent. All right. Hey, so, Christoph, you, um, you mentioned that catalysts play a significant role in um, producing low carbon ammonia. So with uh, Clarion being a major catalyst manufacturer, uh, what are you all doing to help tackle this challenge? Yeah, we are offering this case our unique Amomax series catalyst, which are based on uh, Wustide, very specific. Um, because typically you apply here, have applied since a long time, always only magnetite. And this Wustide base catalyst shows an increased activity, which is then leading um, to a reduced loop pressure, thus leading to energy savings. This is one key aspect. Second aspect is that especially this catalyst is very robust against oxygenates, which are leading to the deactivation of the, of the catalysts. And maybe another important statement is that we are also especially in close contact with Casale and KBR in order to look into the topic of the fluctuating conditions. Okay. So, I mean, KBR, uh, they do a lot. Are, is your partnership mainly surrounding ammonia or um, what's the deal there? Can you go in a little bit more detail about that? Here we have, uh, when I look to KBR, we have here a very close relationship, not only to ammonia, um, but also to other parts. 
but ammonia is one key field we are working together with them. And especially when you look into energy transition, this is a very important topic. Yes, of course. Okay, Christoph. So how about you let the listeners know what Clarion plans to do to support the green ammonia value chain? And let's have a look on the green ammonia value chain. Actually, you first will produce it. The green ammonia, or let's say the ammonia, very have possibilities for low cost to make this. And then in a second step, uh, ammonia will be most likely then transported to Europe, Japan, and Korea. But then you also will need again hydrogen. And this is another technology we are looking into the ammonia cracking. And we're making here a deep dive in order to develop proper ammonia cracking catalysts, where we even have set up an R&D program. And this is also a very interesting topic, and we are very happy to support our engineering companies who work in this field. Thank you. Good answer. All right. Well, honestly, that's pretty much all I have for you today, Christoph. Can you, can you, you know, maybe give the audience a takeaway, you know, something to take home with them, final thoughts kind of deal? Yeah, very happy to do so. I mean, we are not yet sure how fast all the green ammonia or ammonia cracking stuff will go forward, but it's, I think it will come. It's a question of time. And um, it's definitely also needed in order to fight against the climate change. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to speak to our audience. Um, I really appreciate that, Christoph. Happy to have the chat with you and uh, yeah. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of H2 Tech Talk. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Email your comments, questions, and suggestions to tyler.campbell at gulfenergyinfo.com.